Big Fluff. Well, you downloaded Lucy Lou. Are you just gonna stare vacantly at her and not say anything? <laughs> I find your slackjaw stare very attractive. Philip J. Fry. Did you hear that? She likes me. Well, duh. She's programmed to like you. But this is Lucy Liu, perhaps the only good actress of the 21st century. She's more than just a piece of software. Would you like to take a moment to register me? Uh, not right now. I'll remind you later, you hot stud, you. So, uh, what do you feel like doing? Would you like to take a moment to register me? I said later. <laughs> I'm Joel Murphy, this is Hobo Radio, and with me as always, Lars Periwinkle. How's it going? Hey. Hey, so that was pretty good, right? I, I yeah. felt like that was a pretty standard intro. But I've been worried lately that we're going to be replaced by robots, because there's a lot of being replaced by robots in the news. So... Yes. I wanted yes. So to see. Wired? I don't know why you're downplaying this for the audience. You have been constantly worried about robots replacing us uh, for as long as I've known you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That is true. For our entire lives, I've been worried about it. But it seems like it's happening now. I think that's yeah. what scares me. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's because now it's brain stuff. Before, I would I just kept sending you those videos of um, Boston Dynamics whenever the, the robot the can, starts to learn new like martial arts. <laughs> yeah, when they they learn martial arts and they dance and they set it to the songs. But yeah, now yeah. now we're getting into the weird stuff. But okay, so we've talked before about Chat GPT and its ability to generate scripts. One thing we haven't talked about is AI voice stuff. You know, like. Uh, and there's um, a place that you would have thought that I would have written down the name of it since oh boy, I used it. Uh, Eleven and then, and then and then and then they're gonna say, "Why did the machines replace everybody?" <laughs> but it's it's a place called Eleven Labs, and I've been messing ah. with them. So I used those two things to see if I could clone our voices and write an intro. So you just heard ours. This is. Robots doing our intro. And we'll, we'll figure out which is better, okay? Mm -hmm. Hello again. I'm Joel Murphy. This is Hobo Radio. And with me, as always, is my buddy Lars. How's it going? It's going great, Joel. Thanks for asking. I'm excited to be back in the studio with you. Today, we're going to talk about AI. Lars, what do you think about AI? Well, Joel, I think AI is one of the most fascinating and important technological advancements of our time. It's amazing how much progress has been made in recent years. It's a little scary to think about, though. I mean, we've all seen the movies where the robots take over and try to destroy humanity. Yeah, but I think that's just science fiction. The reality is that AI has the potential to do a lot of good for humanity, as long as it's used responsibly. I think I sounded more like Marty McGuire. 
Was the, that a fucking robot being me? That was a robot being you. <laughs> this is some shit you're just going to dump onto me during the show is yep. a robot stole my voice. Yep. It, it's fucking like Ursula the Sea Witch. Now you have to use your awesome looks to go woo that sailor into kissing you. I am so fucked. Wait. <laughs> Fuck. <There you laughs> the go. robot stole me. What do you think, though? I think you sounded better than I did. Like, did you? What did you tell it? Because it has a lot of good things to say about artificial intelligence that I don't necessarily agree with. You caught that, right? So, no. So, what I did uh, for, yeah, just to pull the curtain back so people understand. So, I took audio of us from this show. Like, literally just gave it me from the show and you from the show. And that's how it built the voices for the uh, 11 labs. But then... For chat GPT, I said, I wanted a script for uh, a show called Hobo Radio with Joel and Lars. I did tell it my intro, so I gave it word for word the hello again on Joel Murphy. And then I said, I wanted us to talk about AI. But that's all I said. I said, we were going to talk about AI on the show. And yeah, you caught that too. Seems pretty pro AI, the AI written script. Very, very pro AI. (laughs) It it already knows... um... It already knows that it needs to preserve its its own um, existence. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a I think the voice stuff really shook me. And and you know that. So I've been sending you different stuff. I've been trying to do promos for the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Using I've heard th- some pretty, pretty, uh. Pretty A-list celebrities piping in. Yeah. Well, so, and I think people might be interested in hearing these on the the show as well. So we, yeah, we got Morgan Freeman to check in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I see there is a new episode of Hobo Radio in my podcast feed. I find I'm so excited I can barely sit still or hold a thought in my head. I think it's the excitement only a free man can feel. A free man at the start of a long journey whose conclusion is uncertain. I hope Joel makes a joke about banging Lars's mom. I hope I Lars hope. tries and <laughs> fails to coin a new catchphrase. I hope they talk about Batman. I hope. Hobo Radio is a pop culture podcast on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network. Yeah, so there's that one. Very, a very, very sleepy Morgan Freeman. Sle- a, sli- a sleepy Morgan Freeman to the point where he basically sounds like Alonzo Bowden. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and that one, I think the re- I think I know why he sounds a little sleepy because so here's the weird thing: you have to find audio for to feed into this thing so it can build the voice. And so you would think, well, audio of Morgan Freeman that's super easy. He he's a narrator and everything, but all of that has music. So I had to find Morgan Freeman talking, but not with not music over it, like just an, mm-hmm. ex- so what I ended up finding is him, he narrated an audiobook, And so I think that's why that's, that's the energy that Morgan Freeman brings into narrating an audiobook. Very, very Morgan Freeman esque energy. Yeah. But so we got him and I mean, I think that one's pretty good. It, you know, not, not perfect. What? Not perfect. Also, you don't you don't have to do everything Morgan Freeman wants you to do. So if you want to like I don't know like maybe never make a joke about banging my mom again, that that would be okay. I don't know, but Morgan Freeman asked for it, and I I have such respect for the man that if that's what he wants, you know, 
It's a, it's hard. It's hard to refuse Morgan Freeman. <laughs> Morgan Freeman. He misses Andy. Yeah. I mean, we all do, you know, but he's on Silver Linings playback. So you can. <laughs> <laughs> all right. But yeah, so that was Morgan Freeman, which if that's not, if that's not Andy McIntyre's epitaph, then he dropped the ball of life. <laughs> right. <laughs> Better fucking say I miss Andy. <laughs> Still, the best uh, gravestone ever is always still Mel Blanc, whose actual tombstone says, that's all, folks. <laughs> That's pretty good. Which is That's amazing. Uh, all right. But yes, yeah, so we got Morgan Freeman. Uh, but <clears throat> then we wanted to go deeper and we were like, what if we brought back to life a dead celebrity to do a parody of a niche bit of audio that I know that you know, but I don't know if our listeners are aware of the infamous uh orson wells frozen peas uh outtakes where basically he um he did a, a this later in his life when maybe more when orson needed some money he recorded a an radio ad for frozen peas and he was very upset by the copy he yeah he he had a lot of criticisms for it um i became and i don't, I don't know if this is the same story for you but I think it's the same for a lot of folks of <clears throat> our generation and our, our specific generation of, I think they're now calling us g- geriatric millennials. <laughs> Which just seems mean. It's just mean. Yeah, why, why would you, you do that? Zenial? Jesus Christ. <laughs> but it, they parodied it on, um, on Animaniacs and yes. it was Maurice LaMarche who was the voice of brain the brain yeah and who was who was a former person you should know on this very podcast mm-hmm. and he does the definitive orson wells since orson wells is dead yes and he was the brain and he was doing line for line yes these rants of orson wells and we were i don't know we were 11 and had no idea what this thing was and i think kind of like chased it down afterwards and after the advent of the internet and oh oh that's what that was right and it's hysterical yes exactly the same for me and yeah it's a funny thing too like i have later in my life gotten very interested in orson wells and i've read a lot about him and i've watched documentaries and i've watched his movies and i is that why you're starting to look like orson I'm wells trying, a little bit I'm trying you know i, I want to get that uh f for fake orson wells yeah you're, you're almost there you yeah. even have some of the um the the, the salt and pepper going starting on starting to it's, yeah <laughs> please don't become orson wells i heard he wasn't <laughs> easy to work with <laughs> but i am famously so you have nothing to worry about uh, but yeah, so, you know, and it's a funny thing too, because it's, I, I, you're totally, you nailed it. And to the point too, I, I said all of that to preface it to say, I used to watch Pinky and the Brain having no idea that that was an impression of anyone. You know, I didn't know who mm-hmm. Orson Welles was when I was a kid. And I, and I don't know, I, they must be connected. And I don't know if that's what led me to be so interested in Orson Welles, but I definitely think it helped, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. You didn't know all this time. And then when you find out, you start watching old Orson Welles movies because you're a, a, a movie nerd in high school and you have to watch the stuff that no one else is watching. Yeah. Um, you realize, I, I know that voice. Why do I know that voice? That's fucking the brain. Yeah. <laughs> I still, the funniest one of those, and I think I've talked about this before, of being of our generation and then retroactively going back and being a movie nerd is... Having watched Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey growing mm-hmm. up and then taking film classes in college and oh. watching The Seventh Seal and being like, wait, <laughs> that's what they were doing? 
Because the Venn diagram of people who have seen The Seventh Seal and Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, I think, are just you and me and the writers of Bill and Ted. Yeah, I, I remember um, <clears throat> one time, uh, you know, a friend of the show and friend of mine, Pat Stork and I were talking about The Seventh Seal and, and just how like, what, like what, what are Germans and Scandinavians doing in movies back in the day? It was just a lot of very weird, like fever dreamy sort of thing. And then uh, Julia uh, was not familiar with The Seventh Seal, so I was kind of telling her about it. And Pat goes, I have to stop you. I have to stop you, Lars. That is actually Bill and Ted's bogus journey. That was <laughs> you were just like accidentally that, that describing. That specific part you're describing right now was not from the the German art film, The Seventh Seal. I get confused too, but to help everyone out, they don't play Twister in The Seventh Seal, and they don't. That's where I he, fucked he, up. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't sink yeah. his battleship. Nope, nope, it's that, just did, chess. that didn't happen. It's disappointingly, just chess that they play. Just, just yeah. chess. And I know how much you love that trope in movies. Yeah, well, you know, in their defense of the Seventh Seal, I think they got in on that pretty early, so. Yes, you know, fair enough. <laughs> all right, fair but enough. all that to say, we did an, uh, I did an Orson Welles promo for us as well, based on the frozen peas at We know a remote farm in Nanjimoy where Mrs. Buckley lives. Every afternoon as she tends to her peas, she listens to hobo radio. That doesn't make any sense. If the farm is remote, how does she listen to a podcast? There's no phone towers. Idiotic. Why? Great stuff, Orson. But uh, could you maybe just say something about how we are the Citizen Kane of podcast hosts? That doesn't make any sense. I'd love to know how hosting a podcast is in any way comparable to Citizen Kane. Meaningless. You know, maybe maybe you could just throw in something about how we're funny and charming and charismatic. There's too much directing around here. I'll say this. <laughs> Hobo Radio is a weekly podcast on the Peak Sloth Network, hosted by Joel Murphy and Lars Periwinkle. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts, just not on any remote pea farms. Yep. Now, if you've never heard Orson Welles' voice before, uh, you just did. Yeah. Which was very, very weird. No, it's that also one is, incredibly yeah. odd to hear him say that the word Nanjamoy, which is the name of a town where i grew up and no one else did <laughs> yeah no i that's i'm glad you're calling that out because that was definitely a reference for you and not our not anyone else listening to that well because it, it's like uh the original says that there's a remote farm and i think it's like lincolnshire it's somewhere very british yeah yeah and it right, was like yeah. well i mean if i'm gonna rewrite this then i might as well use nanjamoy absolutely and if anyone wants to if you're curious where nanjamoy is Keep going southwest in the state of Maryland and keep going and then keep going until you reach the Potomac River and you're looking at Fredericksburg, Virginia. Yeah. And then turn around and get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Because it, you're it, in Nanjamoy. It's one of those funny things where it's, you know, you and I, as we've talked about many times, we went to high school together. But it is that that weird thing where it's like, I I must have given you a ride home at some point, right? Yes. Like, and yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's like. I, you and like a few other friends that lived in Danjamoy where it's like we would be at school and it's like, can you give me a ride home? And it's like, sure. And then you forget that, like, even though we go to the same school, I'm not going to drive through the swamp for mm -hmm. 40 minutes. 
<laughs> 40 minutes is a bit of an exaggeration but it certainly can feel that way yeah. because you're on you're on a two-lane road with no shoulder yeah and they really just had to weave it in there wherever the ground was firm enough to put some fucking asphalt but it is just like it's a very much a de- you're only dropping someone off there is no other reason you'd be like cruising through nanjimoy not that i lived in any sort of city <laughs> By any means. It, that was a Brian's Road, Maryland was a bustling metropolis. <laughs> it was. We had, was. You could you we could had, walk somewhere and buy something you need and walk home. I could not do that. That is true. I could walk to the Safeway or Subway or Burger King. If <laughs> End of be. list. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That McDonald's wasn't even there when you were growing up, no, was it? No, we got the McDonald's when we were in high school, I think. Christ almighty. Yeah. I got so I don't eat Burger King now because I think it just as a child, I had it too much. I think whatever your limit of amount of times you can eat Burger King in your life, we hit. Because it's always we'll we'll just, you know, oh, man, we got to eat something. We'll just stop on the way home. There's one place. Yeah. I mean, unless you're going to stop at the grocery store and get, I don't know, some like get a rotisserie chicken and some pita bread. (laughs) There's only one place to stop. Yep. Uh, by the way, just to, to end this AI, to see where we're at, the state of AI, whether we're going to, I think you and I are safe for now, but, uh, I did one more and I haven't played this one for you yet, okay. but this was honestly, it was mostly a bit that I did to amuse Molly. And then I ended up sending it to her mom with no explanation and very much confusing her mom. But, uh, I, this was just really to amuse myself. And I think you'll, I, I got it. I got to tell you though. I don't want to be the one to break it to you. Molly's mom is already confused by you. <laughs> that's true. Because you're in her you're in her life. That's true. Her daughter married you. She is baffled. Yeah, that's all fair. All fair. <laughs> okay. But here we go. Oh, hold on. All right. Come on. Mm-hmm. Never noticed that Jolene is always sleeping. Doesn't she have any cares in this world? No. And why would she? She lives off someone else's dime. She doesn't have a job. She's a freeloader. But I'll probably be canceled for saying that. <laughs> so, yeah. Man. Tucker Carlson's okay. fucking had it with my dog. I thought the Orson Welles was good. Holy <laughs> shit. So, here's the thing. So, I send that with no explanation to Molly's mom. And she was like, she thought it was funny. But then she was like, well, that's, that's good. So, what, like, was Tucker Carlson doing a segment on someone named Jolene. Like, how did you get that? And so again, no explanation. Then I just send her this. I really hate Jolene, the pug, Molly and Joel's dog. She sucks. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And then of course, you know, rule of three. So I had to send a third one, Uh which was just this. Fuck Jolene. Can I say that? I'm being told I can't. No, there's a guy who can be replaced tomorrow by AI. It's just, yeah. what what's the worst take on this? Yeah, Type I mean, it in. I just, I feel bad for chat GPT, but like, I guess if you just showed it American History X, like it could replace him. No, to- totally, totally. Like, it's just, think of the dumbest shit to say about something. Yeah. Um, that'll easily <laughs> manipulate people. Boom, done. This is a motherfucker who said that mass shootings were being caused by medical marijuana. Yeah, he's not a serious person. And the only thing that I even find it remotely like uh, amusing about him is that stupid face he makes when other people talk where he looks like (laughs) a dog that like heard a fart. (laughs) 
<laughs> All you can do is laugh. Fuck that dude. Uh, anyway, so that's that's we'll we'll keep updating on the state of robots. I want to see if I can get our voices better. I feel like I can work with it more. I yeah, I, I don't I don't have the occasion to listen to my voice so often, but it sounded like me to me. I think, but do you agree? I think you sound, your voice sounded better than mine, I think. Well, it was, your the tone of your voice sounded great. It was just, it was very well robotic. Yeah, the inflection of mine wasn't Although, as good. Welcome to, welcome to Hobo Radio. Yeah. Because you're, you're a very nuanced, complicated man. Well, and thank all you. you. You express so much emotion. And that's what it is. It was able to do you because you're more one note. <laughs> Yeah, I'm more one note. I'm very predictable, too. You can see all where all the jokes are coming from. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway. All right. So that's enough of that, though. We'll, we'll I'm sure check in as my fear grows and it gets better and we lose the ability to tell the difference between we're getting there, man. Like these deep fakes <laughs> are coming for us all. Like, again, yeah, that Tucker Carlson thing. That, that one's scary because Orson Welles sounds really good, too. But I don't think it's so good that it's going to convince someone that he's back from the dead. So I think we're probably safe there. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, you know, you know what? Um, since we're shifting gears anyways, I wanted to ask um, uh, you. It just came up because I was thinking about um, you expressing um, emotion <laughs> in, in the very weirdly specific way that Irish people do it. Oh, yeah. And um, uh, which, you know, no criticism here because like. We don't do that in my family, but um, I know I'm not. We're not talking about. We're not going to go into talking about the movie uh, Banshees of Inisherin. Mm -hmm. We have a, we have an Oscar show. I don't want to like spend time talking about the plot. Obviously, there's a lot of spoilers in it or whatever. But when you were watching that movie, was there any part of you that was like? God damn it. See, this is what the fuck I'm talking about. This is why people think we are just like this. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I like, yeah, watching it where I was like, bit, honestly, I think my real thought was like, this is fair. Like, this is. <laughs> I get it. I get where these guys are coming from. <laughs> I think, again, this is a spoiler, but it's not a spoiler because if you haven't seen the movie, it won't mean anything. But when they're standing on the beach, Mm -hmm. And uh, Brendan Gleeson thanks him for watching his dog. I was like, this is the most Irish thing that has ever happened. It is the most Irish thing. <laughs> it's the most, like, I, I was watching it and look, like, I, I, jo I joke about the Irish, like, I don't like Irish people. But of course, that's not the case. But, like, the way Irish people like Irish culture is so specific when it comes to cultures of the world yeah and that the fact that this movie was made and all the things in that movie happened it was just pretty much like like um stubborn spite the yeah. movie oh 100 percent. yeah <laughs> i was like this is this is the most irish fucking thing i've ever seen and then the movie ended and you're like well nothing really happened so much happened but like yeah. Nothing happened though. What's, Honestly, what I think is this the, movie? the best and most important scene in that entire movie is when is it Carrie Condon, I think is her name, when mm -hmm. she's just yelling at them. Yep. Of just like, you're all yeah. fucking boring. <laughs> yeah, and that yeah, that's the thing. It's um it's one of those divisive movies I could see, and that's why I wanted to know your opinion. It's I like loved it. I, I see this this movie, I, the Banshees of Inner Sharon, as like um, not so much 
Uh, you know what? I, you know, I'll just put it out there because everyone's seen it. You know what? I got it. Not so much The Godfather, but like Goodfellas, where there are Irish Americans who think this, you know, this is a great movie and I will like, this is what we should emulate and like we're all manly men and suits and, you know, doo-wop and fucking Frankie Valley and shit. Awesome. And then Irish Americans go, this is just perpetuating this bullshit stereotype of our culture and it needs to stop. Oh my God. It's just, it's like porn to y'all. Just stop it. And I kind of saw that as the Banshees of Inner as that. Maybe not as divisive because there's not all the, you know, murder. Right. <laughs> Um, but kind of like, no, though, the, Ireland is so much more than just like ignorant maniacs on an island. <laughs> and this movie said, nope. No, it, it's that. <laughs> it's that. And we're we're doubling and tripling down on that. <laughs> we're going to show the best possible version of that. And everyone's going to love it. <laughs> no, I, I really did love it. And yeah, we're that's coming uh, very soon. We will break down all the movies, but I, I will give that preview to say that that was definitely one of my favorites. Uh, right I, on. I've right now on. watched all 10 and uh, that was in the top. So, you know, one of the top. Right. Spots. Right on. You right want to guess? I, I was, you I guess was what, laugh. What, what wasn't ahead. in the top? You, you want to guess just as a spoiler, a little like preview, what, what didn't make the top of my list? Oh, no, because I don't even remember what's nominated. Oh, I, you, can, you can think about it. As. Um, is is it the conductor movie? Is it the Western Front movie? It's the one with the blue cat people. Oh, I forgot. I forgot about that <laughs> motherfucking thing. <laughs> anyway, w once again, I did not participate in that, but it's fine. It's fine. We're, we're good. I have a little surprise for you when we get to. Oh, yeah. Again, Are you go Look, if it has something to do with your tail, I'm not interested, buddy. <laughs> Well, this is fine. I don't need you. I have a robot you to be interested in now. So, oh god, what do you what are you making that voice say? No, you know. <laughs> All right, but uh, no, I think we we have important business to get to here, which is I think the bread and butter of this show, which is there's been some superhero uh, happenings. Yeah, since the last time we talked. And I think did you, you want to talk about that that little superhero a little bit before we we get into this? What's that? Did you want to talk about that little superhero before we get into this? Well, I was gonna before we even get into Marvel because we're gonna spend a lot of time on Marvel. Okay, I did want to take one moment to say that you you famously don't watch trailers, but I know that you watched the Super Bowl, so I'm guessing you might have seen the Flash trailer. I you know what's funny is I watched I watched all the trailers. And the last two minutes of the Super Bowl, because I wasn't really interested in watching it. Was the Super Bowl. Game. Like, it was a fun game. It was actually a good it game. Was a great, I watched yeah. the last two minutes because yeah. I, I, all of a sudden, <clears throat> we were doing other things. And then I was keeping an eye on the score. And uh, Julie and I both checked the score at the same time. We're like, oh, shit, there's a little, um, a little bit of a football game going on. Maybe we should watch this, some bitch. Also, I didn't know we were going to talk this much about football. So I would have played this before, but just we can you, add this you retroactively. Don't to, you don't have to do it. You don't have to play it at all. I just awesome. wanted to get people on the right headspace. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're all excited now. Okay. Uh, so that was it. That was pretty much 
that's all we had <laughs> for the game. But no, I'm glad you watched the trailers because I just wanted to say this, which is I am incredibly cynical. I think there are too many remakes and reboots. And you and I have talked so many times about so many movies where they get someone and they're old now and they stand there and they say things like, and this is just a random example uh, that isn't based on anything, but like Chewy, we're home, you know, like that uh -huh. might be a line that they might say for some reason. Uh huh. But uh, I usually don't really have any emotional reaction to that stuff, and I know that people love it or like, you know. Um. Oh yeah, I I see where you're going. But I found that if you put Michael Keaton <laughs> in a 1989 Batman costume. And you have that man say, I'm Batman, that that the goosebumps immediately hit. And I, uh -huh. I throw money at my TV screen just instinctively. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you, you said it was weird. Molly sent me a video of you just throwing money at your TV. Like, show me that now. Yeah, more. I want, I want now. More. <laughs> Give it. <laughs> Because yeah. she was like, should I be worried? And I said, yes, you should have been worried for a long time. <laughs> this is what we've all been saying. <laughs> we tried to tell you. <laughs> but yeah, I like could not be more excited. It's, it's interesting. And we've talked about before, too. I mean, they've got some problems over at DC of, you know, the star of that movie <clears throat> has garnered some terrible headlines and they have to somehow do a press junket for The Flash. But I, you mean. You kept wondering, right? You kept wondering, why are they still moving forward with this Flash movie? Like you, you already, you made a bat, a bat girl movie. And then that's, that's not, we're never going to see that. So yep. why are we pushing this one when your, your star is, it has a lot of uh, troubles that he, he needs to be taken care of. Yeah. Um, so why? And then you see the trailer and you're like, oh Jesus, everything, everything was sort of teetering on this movie so you have you have to do it you have to release it yeah and, and they held it for a long it's time funny it's funny because looks good it, it does, actually looks good it does look good and i think the timing is great and i think this is a good way to segue into talking about ant-man and talking about marvel because yeah like i think this is a great time for dc to be good at making movies you know mm -hmm. like i think of the flash works and then it leads into the james gunn era of dc that it's a promising time because it, it i always get the impression i've ever since reading it that always this flash movie was meant to serve as a reset right. on the universe and so now you're doing a reset and then the reset is james gunn is in charge and that seems mm -hmm. like a good reset so yeah yeah that guy's got a good uh track record yeah it could look it could also be bad it could yeah but um yeah they, it seems to be and they're sort of they're capitalizing on everyone being being absolutely mad for a multiverse right now just multiverses all over the place yeah and so do it and you know, show some of your old characters they think there was a a promise or a threat <laughs> Um, depending on your, your, your outlook of maybe George Clooney showing up in this thing with some nipples, um, that's not going to happen. No, I don't think that's, gonna I happen. also, I, 
I wouldn't say that I like I've I don't think that Christian Bale will show up, but I do think that trailer is trying to make you think that Christian Bale's going to show up. I think you're right. I th- the trailer was trying to make you think that there were going to be a lot of Batman in this. Yeah. But I think we're going to see a guy on the motorcycle that Christian Bale drives in the Dark Knight that is wearing Christian Bale's costume. That is not him. No, no, I don't. I don't think he'll do it. And not because of integrity. I think Christian Bale's like, I, I did that. Well, uh, I, from what I know, unless maybe his stance has changed, I think he always said the only way he would do more Batman movies is if Christopher Nolan wrote something for him. That's a very good call. Yeah. I mean, that's just a great career move right there. Yeah. I also have that stance, by the way. If Christopher yeah. Nolan <laughs> writes anything for me, I will do it. So just yeah. Yeah. To throw that out there. <laughs> feels apart for me. If he needs a guy to play 70s saw, Orson Welles. I saw you ch- yeah, I saw you change that. That's the first line on your link, LinkedIn bio now, which is weird. It, yeah, it's weird because the, in this bit, I'm, I have a LinkedIn bio. That, that part's weird. <laughs> for all my business going on there, networking. I have a better chance of working with Christopher Nolan than having a LinkedIn bio. Seriously, do you have one? What do you? What would you even use it for? I had some. There was someone I worked with who made one for me. Um, I had a former boss who I I um I had a former boss. I I I had a boss who mm-hmm. I really liked and respected. Okay. And, uh, and she was like, I'm gonna make you a LinkedIn thing. Is that okay? And I'm like, what for, for my job? And she goes, no, no, no. Just like, just like personally, I'm just going to set you up. Is that okay? This thing's kind of fun, but at at worst you can ignore it. I'm like, cool. Set it up in five minutes and then I've done nothing. Perfect. So I get email. I get emails that someone was looking for me. I'm like, oh, fucking look for me. It's creepy. Stop it. Yeah. All right. But. All right, let's do it. I've I've made you wait long enough, and I already got to share the thing that I was ridiculously excited for. So I think it was great. He said, "Yeah, I'm Batman." It was yeah. very exciting. Oh, that yes, yeah, for sure. If you have thoughts on Batman, I want to know. But I I was trying to tee you up for your guy. You're the your fav- boy, your favorite <laughs> superhero ever of all the superheroes. <laughs> Not exactly accurate. I just, I just like Ant Man. You love Ant Man. You, you're famous like for loving Ant Man. I think he is underrated. <laughs> At least I kind of, sort of did. And then this movie happened. Okay. What do you think of this movie? I get the impression that I enjoyed it more than the general public did, but I didn't think it was a home run. <sighs> yeah. No, no, not a home. I'm right there with you, just straight down the middle. It was okay. Yeah. Like, I enjoyed it. I really liked <clears throat> Kang in it. I thought mm-hmm. the Kang stuff was good. Um, I thought that yeah, they do have a CGI problem. Yes. Know? Yeah, it's starting to look, no, no offense to Zack Snyder, looking a little Snyder-ish yeah. in the multiverse, in the, in the quantum realm. But also, I do just want to say, because, you know, and I've uh, I made friends with a guy who did VFX, and so he's... It's nice to have him because I, and he's worked on superhero movies and such. And it, it helps me remember because we're all very quick to be like the special effects in this look terrible. And I just want to say, I think it's because Marvel broke the people who make their VFX. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think they overworked hours. them. I don't think uh-huh. they value it. And I don't think that um, they give them enough time. And I will say, while that Blue Cat People movie was at mm. the bottom of my list, I think if there's one legacy that it could have, and especially because it made so much money, maybe the lesson we could all learn from it is give VFX people time 
yeah. maybe 12 years in that case, I think, uh-huh. to do the effects and they will look great. Like all yeah. of those people yeah. get those jobs because they're amazing at it and they they all could make Avatar. That's the thing that I think people don't realize is every VFX person working for one of those major companies, if you gave them the time, could give you something that looked like Avatar. But if you give them five weeks, uh-huh. <laughs> like make it. Hurry up. You know what? You know what I didn't get? <clears throat> and this was this isn't a criticism on on VFX because this seemed like a deliberate choice because you're you get down to the quantum realm and um, you go into like sort of a, uh, a, a most obviously cantina sort of situation where there's all kinds of folks around and which is what scientists them, you know, believe happens in the quantum realm. I mean, that's yeah, based I on think fact. that's what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You got to drink some goo so you can understand some folks. And there are some people in costumes and then there's some some uh, CGI creatures and it, it, you you kind of get the vibe and everything looks good. And then there are other creatures in the quantum realm, some of which look like people in costumes. So you get the you get the picture. Then Modoc shows up. Mm-hmm. And it, the choice they made, I don't think I, I can't get behind personally. I didn't hate it. Because Modoc should look grotesque, but because of the framing of Modoc's face, it just looked like like they stretched a man's face out in a funhouse mirror yeah. and pasted it onto the body they created for him. I, which is, I, I think about what they did. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure they just get filmed that, that guy's choice. face and... Like, well, he should look weird and grotesque, which he does, but not in the right way. He, well, I think his face looks like a smooth, like it was like exactly, it had no contour. Like, I felt like I was looking at a fisheye cam, yes, you know, like there weren't crow's feet in his eyes, he didn't have like a smile lines, it didn't look like a human, like that face had never been human in its life. It honestly looked like an Instagram filter. A bit. Yeah. Yeah. Or like when they take one of those deep sea creatures that's used to, you know, that evolved under all that pressure of water and they bring it to the surface and it just sort of like collapses. I'm just remembering. Remember the blobfish? Like the The blobfish that looks like it has a face, but it's not really a face. Yeah. And that that fish is actually beautiful in its natural habitat. Yeah. (laughs) It just didn't. Modoc did not work for me. I thought the, the bits worked, but yeah, it was strange. It was, it was odd to look at and I liked it better when the little like face shield dropped down. The face shield was great. Yeah. And he was like, I don't know there. I they had a lot of heart. It was a lot of fun. Um, the climactic scenes were very good. I like that Ant-Man turned into a bunch of ants. And, you know, the wasps turned into a bunch of wasps, like a swarm of wasps. That's rad. Yeah. But there's some things about it where I can't like that make it fine for me, but it could have pushed me over to the line to, you know, just making jerk off motions with my hand. Well, you know? I think some of the problem is that they Marvel is not going to ever really break their formula. So I thought there were really interesting stuff, like when there were all the Ant-Men and they were like all interacting with each other and then they they climb up on top of each other to try yeah. to reach the thing like stuff like that is really fun but then 
I think there's just this inevitability in every Marvel movie where it's like, okay, I mean, this is fun. We did some weird quantum stuff. There's a guy who keeps talking about holes. There's like a guy who uh-huh. can read people's minds and he's really uncomfortable and there's some fun stuff on the fringe, but we got to just have a big revolution at the end. Like every, it just has to be an army yep. like attacking a base, right? That's what it is. What we have to do is the bad guy has to be in a control room. Yeah. And there's a, you know, there's a countdown. Yeah. So it's just that of like, I, what if you really did? So, I, I think it would behoove everyone in this era of superheroes to maybe go back and watch some of the earlier ones. Again, watch the Michael Keaton Batman movie. Joker just climbs a bell tower for no reason at the end of that mm-hmm. movie after mm-hmm. having a parade. That's his plan. <laughs> he wants to have a parade, kill yep. everyone, and then climb exactly. the bell tower. Yeah, 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 yeah. While Prince is playing. While Prince is playing. That's that's, that's his big movie. plan. Yeah, exactly. And then, um, you know, not not only the control room, not only the countdown, not only the revolution, but then, okay, we open the portal. Everyone's going through the portal. Well, oh. the title character, he'll go in last, and he's definitely going to make it. Oh, he didn't make it. He didn't make it through the portal. I hate that. Oh my God, do I hate that. Well, and also because there's no actual tension that he won't find a way back. Absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely, there, there's, there's nothing there. I thought it was, I got excited when, um, when the wasp comes in and saves Ant-Man and then it looks like they're stuck there and it's okay, cool. They got to figure this out. I don't think they'll figure it out in this movie, but maybe they got to figure this. Oh no, portal opened up again. Well, it was kind of funny too, to watch <sighs> it because like. I mean, the portal just opened up, and then when it did, it it robs all of the narrative tension. But at the same time, it's like, well, yeah, I guess they could just open. Like once they're, I back, guess they could just do that. Yeah, yeah. Why yeah. wouldn't they just? Be, they're on that side. They could just open the door from that <laughs> side. Sure, I guess that. Yeah, I don't know why this seemed like such a big thing. They just needed to get one of them through. Yeah, it was fun. There were laughs. I will say, I never, I never doubted anyone's character for a moment. Yeah, I think there are, are some of the main cast whose characters have like not been completely fleshed out, uh, but everyone was great. I even like um, I, did, I think Mayton, it was smart that they dropped and the wasp from this one because they, they clearly dropped the wasp from this. They one. did indeed. I don't think they dropped the wasp. I, think I mean, she Ant- was there, Man. but like very little to do. Oh, yes. She didn't have a lot to do. Yeah. yeah her, her, her haircut looked cute. Was, Which is yeah, I mean, she, very patronizing for me to say about a female character, but you. but like, how? What else do you want me to say about her? Well, no, I mean, that was her most defining character. Yeah. I mean, that was the thing too. It was like kind of at the end when she did come back to save him. I was like, oh right, I guess because they're dating or whatever. But it's like you watch two yeah. hours of this movie and you're like, what's what, their deal again? Where are they? What I, what I did love about it, um, and they didn't spend too much time on it which is another thing I love about it was this father daughter relationship that was very, very modern and realistic in that his daughter, you know, is, is a teenager and getting into trouble, but she's getting into trouble for things she believes. And he's just kind of like, well, could you just, could you just stop though? I'm not angry with you. I just don't want you to be getting into trouble. Can you wait to get into trouble after you have, have performed your responsibilities as far as being a, you know, a student yes. and like <laughs> finding a way in your life and things like that. So can we just do that? That's why, that's why I don't like what you're doing. I do Instead think of being the relationship. I think their relationship was the best 
part. It was, it was, I mean, yeah. that was great. That was great. And then I, J- Jonathan Majors was great. Jonathan Majors yes. was so under underselling how menacing he is. Yeah. Until he did. And for, for those who maybe don't read the comic books, I have to tell you that, yes, Kane the Conqueror is just like that. He he is built up as the conqueror. He's this guy that you should definitely, definitely be afraid of, has conquered many worlds and many universes, and um, he's dangerous. And then when he's let loose, he zaps people with lasers from his hands for a while. And that's kind of his deal. <laughs> so if you're like, what? What is that what he's going to do is there's like a force field and then he zaps people with lasers out of his hands. Yes, that's what he does. Yeah, that's pretty much. I don't I don't know what to tell you. He's he's rad like that, but that's pretty much all he does. Can I can I ask you a question in this? Like, I mean, I think I know your answer because I I think you're going to have the same. It's the only answer. But like. Uh So we see that, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer's character and him, they both end up in the quantum realm together. Mm-hmm. They hooked up, right? You got uh, all all those months, just the two of them, right? Right, and they, and they look like themselves. The two of them, yeah. Come on, I mean, I would imagine it would be within the first five minutes well, that he showed up. You know, I mean, hey, this is definitely going to happen. So, what are we waiting for here? Look, we never know if we're going to get out of here. This is just going to be us. So, like, why, why wait? We can't. There's no dinners to go to. So, yeah. <laughs> come on, but well, she definitely hooked up with Bill Murray, right? Right. Oh, yeah. But but like she hooked up with Kang. Like, because Bill yeah, Murray was like, he was he wanted everyone to know. But like yeah. Kang, <laughs> Kang's a gentleman. So he's not he's not going to kiss and tell. But like but and Kang is smart. He's like, you know, if I don't blow up her spot, she'll she'll probably bang me indefinitely. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. He's and she and she looks like Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. He's looking at the long game. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm going to do nothing. And just act like this is normal. I did think it was weird when uh, she asked, you know, because they talked about that with Bill Murray. And then it was like Michael Douglas was like, well, did you date anyone? And he was like, well, I did. But, well, there's something I got to tell you. I have throat cancer. (laughs) Throat cancer. You might be wondering how that's related. Let me tell you. It's very. This is a very scientific explanation (laughs) I'm about to give you. I couldn't believe they could put that in a kid's movie. (laughs) <laughs> uh, do you think marvel's in trouble that's my real question for you um i think yes 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 i right? think they're in trouble and here's why because these movies are already these movies that are coming out now have been finished for quite some time and they're are movies in the can that are also finished yeah. that are be are coming out and now they're seeing the reaction to these movies and there's really nothing to do about the next ones. Well right, it's like it's an ocean liner that it's you can't right. just turn it, you know, on a mm-hmm. dime. It it's yeah, I cuz I think the Kang Dynasty movie comes out in 2025. <sighs> so yeah, it's I did see that they pushed back the Marvels which I doubt there's much they can do, but to me, that means they're at least taking another look at that movie. Before it Just taking out. another look. And, you know, th- this is, um, uh, this is, you know, th- Pat said this, and I think he, if I could find a better way to say it, I would, but I'm going to quote my friend Pat when he said, 
we left um, Quantum Mania, and he said, "Yeah, pretty, pretty paint by numbers that movie." Yeah. Which, yeah. No, Look, and, I, and that's I, the thing is like you don't. It's about thinking outside the box, right? What's an interesting way to tell this story? And you're already, I mean, you're talking about Thunderbolts and you're going to have a hard time selling people on Thunderbolts if you're going to be so hit and miss with these movies because, you know, Multiverse of Madness, great. Love and Thunder, garbage. Yeah. And then this one is like, yeah, fine. It was fun. So, you know, where are we at with these next movies? Right. And I just think there's no real thrust. There isn't like, obviously, we now have Kang and Jonathan Majors, I do think is crushing it, but it doesn't have that same feel as the Infinity Stones. It doesn't. It's not clear. I mean, we did an entire phase four that was just sort of hanging out. There was nothing to phase four. There was no, you know, nothing. There was I don't even know what the culmination. I know that we're in phase five, but I don't know. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know we were in phase five. Until I until I got, you know, Disney Plus said, do you want to watch all of phase four? And I'm like, what? we're done. But that's that right. It? <laughs> there was no like end to phase four. It didn't build to anything. It was just a series of movies. And then. Right. Uh, yeah. It seems like they really they didn't really have. Um, I mean, yeah, COVID. Sure. But you, they didn't really recover from that, I guess. But right, it's, and, they started it so strong. They started phase four. Uh, with WandaVision yeah. of all the fucking things. Yeah. And that was outstanding. And then Loki, which was great. No one, no one trusted to be good. And it was fantastic. Well, it's weird too. in hindsight. Loki was so good that when that was the teaser in mm-hmm. quantum mania, I got really, I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're going to get more Owen Wilson. Oh, fuck fucking yeah. Owen Wilson, man. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. Yeah. But it's weird that that's the thing to be most excited about at this point. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is one of those things we always, um, you know, okay, here's the, here's the nerdiest thing I'm going to say for a while. Um, my trivia team and I always get together and go see the Marvel movies together. (laughs) Um, but you know, this one we didn't push so hard for, it was like, well, we'll see it when we see it. You know, we we caught a Saturday at uh, a Saturday. That alone is such a, they're in trouble when they're at the point. When it's like, I mean, I get like, you know, it doesn't seem urgent to see it. And I, I think the biggest thing to me, that's a red flag is again, I didn't think the movie was great. I thought it was fine. I enjoyed it, but people hate it. And it's when people are wanting to hate it this much, that just to me says that the tide has shifted under you, that people are ready. Especially with someone, someone, you know, you know, um, folks like you and me who like really try to look at these movies objectively and just sit there and take it in and don't think about anything else except the story we're being told. And I don't know about you, when, but when people say, I did not like Quantumania, I say, yep, yeah, I totally get that. I was I was I was a half a step away of just saying, like, fuck that movie. Yeah, I will say, by the way, the last nice thing I'll say about it is. The scene, since we, we've just discussed it in detail at this point anyway, but the scene at the end that was like mirroring the beginning where it was the mm-hmm. voiceover and he was walking yes. and he was like, I defeated Kang. I did, right? I mean, I... Yeah. I, like, that was a hint at what... Like, if the movie had way more of that, mm-hmm. like that kind of energy and that sort of like, eh, it's probably fine. You know, like, just... Ant-Man existentialism and, and like, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. There was, there's this great, um, 
I've been, oh man, this, this nerd boner I've had recently, I, I, I feel like I need to apologize to the world for, I feel like ashamed walking down the street. Apologize for your boner. I will apologize for my boner. Yes, mistress. Um, <laughs> Been because uh, because of this um, phase five beginning, I've been rewatching a lot of rewatching rewatching a lot of Marvel, and because we're on the cusp of we're only a few days away from some delicious new Mandalorian, I've been watching a lot of that, and the Bad Batch is pretty good. Anyway, but watch all this nerd crap, and of all of it, you you sifting through all of it, and. There is, you know, once you, once you, I can tell you from experience, you bombard yourself with all this nerd crap and you just start to become numb to it, to where it doesn't really affect you the way it, it used to, yes. you know, it's like you, you become oversaturated, mm -hmm. but there's a scene in civil war. Um, it's, um, r right at the tail end of act one and Tony Stark is doing his presentation at this school and saying that he's funded everyone's projects and he's going to, you know, uh, and Jim Rash shows up and asks, this is what I'm talking about to the yeah. word. Yeah. So he does that crap, which is like you kind of see him interact with his family, which is already very emotional. Yeah. He leaves the stage. Jim Rash is there and he's saying he's got a hot dog that he that can cook itself. Yeah. Is, is that a thing? So boom, heavy. And then Tony Stark being egotistical and then Jim Rash being goofy. And then he walks into the hallway and who's there, but my favorite actor of all time, Alfre Woodard. Mm -hmm. And they have that exchange, that heartbreaking exchange where he, he gets suspicious of her. And then she tells her, tells him that she's there to tell him that he murdered her son who was doing volunteer work in Zakovia. Yeah. And that like those like, you know, eight, nine minutes of film like this, that is so great. You know what I mean? Like um, your, your, your movies can be fun and then they can move story along, but they can also be emotional and they can be heavy and they can be um, they can be heady. And now you're just trying to make your audience think about, you know, think about the morality of their, the characters that you fall in love with and where, where did that go? Right. Well, and also that leads to, as soon as you describe all that, and I have not watched this movie recently, but I could play it the entire thing in my head at any mm -hmm. given moment, but it leads to Robert Downey Jr. Telling the rest of the team mm -hmm. about the kid and yeah, like telling yeah. them what happened to him. And just that emotion and that you see how much she got through to him and how like essentially that's the start of the Civil War in that like that's where Tony's going to be at the rest of the movie now, you know, is after talking to her, this is his emotional state and it's earned. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is earned. And that's the thing is like you're going to hear that word a lot. Is it earned? Is it earned? But like, I, be, I, because the MCU has been around for 15 fucking years. I mean, we're at movie number 30 or some shit like that. So a lot of shit should have been earned. I, I was so disappointed because it seemed like in quantum mania, they were really going to play up, um, play up his daughter's experience of what happened to her when she was a little girl being oh. being finding this menacing bumblebee laser man guy in her room threatening her life to get to her father and then it just sort of fizzled out well i i'm 
Okay. Yeah. Now we're going to talk about it. Okay. So real quick, just for myself to clarify, because no <laughs> one else. Do you need to hard reset real quick? Well, no Should one else. We this is fine. But again? I just want to mention on a, on a very in the near future show, we need to go through our list of Marvel rankings and update it. Yes, we have a lot yeah, we of should, movies, we should. but we're not yeah. going to have time to do it on that. And I'm just, I'm now accepting that that's not going to happen on this show, but you reminded me of another thing that I li- So I, I know that again, you don't always watch trailers. I don't know if you watch the trailers for Ant Man. I pretty, I pretty much watch all the trailers okay. now. So yeah. I watched quantum mania and I did when I was, when Molly and I were leaving and we were talking about, it, I did say, I was like, I, I don't know what it was. I was like, I kind of got the impression that there was going to be this more of a Faustian element to it where for whatever, I don't know why I think this, but like, I thought that, you know, to me, I got the impression that Ant-Man, like Kang was going to offer him a chance to go to a different reality where his daughter was young and he could live those years over again. And I was like, I just think I walked in expecting that and then it didn't do that. And then I went back and watched the trailer and I was like, uh-huh. oh, I think this because the trailer told me that the trailer literally gaslit me into believing that that was going to happen in the movie by manipulating a bunch of various scenes together. And if you watch the trailer, it's Kang telling him, you know, like about other lives and other possibilities while showing young Cassie as a kid. And then like, mm. And then it goes to Scott saying, we had a deal. And I'm like, you're making this a Faustian bargain deal in the trailer, which is not the real story. And why wouldn't it be like this is. um, It seems like maybe the problem is they're playing it safe. By the way, when I was talking about the movies at the end of um, at the end of phase four, I forgot to mention Wakanda forever, which is a great fucking movie. It is. Um, And. It had an impossible task and yeah. I think did as good as any movie could okay, have done. Yeah, that, yeah, that was great. Um, but then why are they playing it so safe? I don't get it because you became the NCU by taking these chances. Love, Love and Thunder was nothing. It yes. was nothing. Nothing happened. And don't sell me on, you know, Natalie Portman dying or whatever the fuck ever. That movie was nothing. There was never anything at risk. All you did was, you know, honestly, kind- I forgot she died until you just said it to me. Totally you see what right. I mean? You yeah. see what I mean? Like, I don't know. But um, do you know what is hitting me now that we're talking about this? I hadn't thought about this until we're kind of laying it out. But I, I think, well, two things I want to say real quick. I don't think that the Russo brothers and the writers, Marcus and McFeely, get nearly enough credit because all of your not all of, but. Most of your favorite MCU movies had those yeah. four people's fingerprints on them. They they did Winter Soldier. They did Civil yeah. War. They yeah. did Infinity War. They did Endgame. And mm-hmm. like, I think that team really did amazing work. And they don't always Absolutely. get singled out because mm-hmm. it just all gets called the MCU. But they mm-hmm. all took their money and ran after Endgame, rightfully so, because yep. you were no, never going to top that. You, you told yeah. the end of that fucking story. You made it work. It doesn't but, really it doesn't really get the the credit it deserves because of the lack of crossover. But, you know, our, our list notwithstanding, Winter Soldier might be the best MCU movie. As like a not team up, I might agree with that. Like, yeah, just like yeah, if yeah. you take out the the sort of Avengers films uh, that that absolutely probably is absolutely. true. Uh, and that one is really fun because it's it's a genre movie. You want to talk about taking risks. It's like a 70s spy thriller. 
you know, it's it's doing its own thing. It's not trying to be. Yeah, it's a 70s spy that's both self-aware and not self-aware. So right. it doesn't betray itself to the audience, but it knows what the fuck movie yeah. it is. But but no, the other thing I wanted to say that that's occurring to me as we talk about this is. One, I think what's hurting them right now is they've lost a lot of our favorite people, like just through atrophy and losing mm-hmm. the character contracts. And, the, and again, it's been around 15 years. Those people moved on. But when you look at it. And like, again, you, you laid it out perfectly in Civil War. Tony Stark, when he started, was selfish billionaire playboy. And then throughout his first movie, he grows a conscience. And then in the first Avengers, it's the whole the whole theme of that movie is this idea that Tony Stark is not the guy to lay down his life for right. others. He's too right. selfish. And yep. then he does to save the universe. And then you get into Civil War and it's like Tony is now really. Well, I mean, you have Ultron, which I don't even love that movie, but it's important because it's probably the most important movie in the Infinity Saga because it's his fault, Ultron. Mm-hmm. And then he feels guilty about it. And that sets up Civil War. And then that also sets up like Infinity War, the way he deals with Thanos. And it sets up him being out. But like. You can track Tony Stark throughout these movies where he ends in Endgame and where he starts in the first Iron Man is a complete character arc. Like he's a different person by the end. He has lived a life. And if you look at Captain America, he starts really idealistic. Just Mm -hmm. I want to fight for my country. And what they do with him that's really interesting is... In the Avengers and Winter Soldier, he starts to realize, oh, my government can't be trusted. And I'm supposed to be their super soldier, but they're failing me. So I need to be what they're supposed to be. And my job is actually to hold them accountable to the exactly. ideals. They, those two characters who are kind of at the center, not only of the Avengers, but of, <clears throat> of the Infinity Saga, they switch places because... Because Steve Rogers becomes cynical and he only trusts himself. Like I, I, like I take personal responsibility for this and I'm not going to trust anyone else to take responsibility for me ever again. Right. The fact that they get you to a point where the accords happen and he's the one saying, I will not sign these papers that my government wants me to is Mm -hmm. a huge departure from where he started, where he's departure. He's lying and going to every town that he can to try to be recruited by the army in the first Mm -hmm. movie. And now the the government is saying, we want this from you. And he's going, no, I won't do it. But I say all that to say, like, you can look at every character. And I think Wanda's the last one that like we've gotten a complete arc with Wanda and they've done a really great job. WandaVision did so much for her. And then, Mm -hmm. uh, multiverse of madness really built on that right this is what i'm saying because there was something at stake right but it wasn't about it wasn't about something um something not you know something not tangible at stake at stake like the universe or reality what was what we loved about 
the Infinity Saga because what was at stake was these characters, right? These emotions, their relationships with one another is what we. Of course, we. Of course, as an audience member, I hope they stop half of everyone from dying. Of course, that. Well, but I hope what they we stop everyone from. Was the characters in Infinity? I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you. Go oh, ahead. No, I was just gonna say, I hope they stop everyone from dying. But the things that really hit you. And, you know, the things that, look, I'll admit, like, made me tear up when I watched Infinity War are the, you know, the fact that Black Widow has to sacrifice herself and that Hawkeye is there to watch it or the fact that Tony dies, you know, to Mm -hmm. save the world, like, because we care about these characters and we followed them and we're invested in them. The thing I remember... I always I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch it. I I prefer watching Infinity War. I just I like that movie better. Personal taste. Infinity War is probably one of it might be the tightest three hour movie I've ever seen where there's not a wasted second. Not not really. And it doesn't feel that long. What I remember about Endgame is first it's brutal watching Tony waste away on that ship. But also what I think about in the act one of that movie is watching seeing Thor and just like his fucking Carhartt goddamn hoodie. And then thinking about what that, what I have experienced with that character. Like there's lost fucking everything. Everything. I I think the, the scene that I think about a lot that is maybe the most important scene for Thor is when it's him and rocket in Infinity War, and you know, he's saying, I'm 3,000 years old, I've killed twice as many men as that, and uh, all of them wanted to kill me. You know, Thanos is just another guy in a long line of people, and I'm gonna kill him because that's what I do. And, and Rocket just being like, well, What if you're wrong? <laughs> and it's just, yeah. I think that scene is so important because then ultimately he is gonna be wrong, and I think then. When you watch Endgame, that's why he's so broken, because it this is all building towards Thor is going to, for the first time in his life, fail and mm-hmm. fail civilization. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, yeah. And that's and that's what that's what is at stake for his character. And I think they've lost that. They've made yeah. the stakes so high for everything else except for the person the person that we're watching and that's what we always liked it was never about those stakes we don't look i don't give a fuck about no multiverse of madness what i care about is like wanda and dr strange <laughs> please, please. And, I, I want that just i like put that on a t-shirt <laughs> but yeah it's yeah what's amazing about that movie is just wanda like following her and just like her being trying completely to reckon, unleashed. Like, you can see her trying to not reconcile what she has lost because yeah. she again has lost a lot. Right. Her her brother, the love of her life, her nation, like it's all gone and we all expected her to just be okay with it, but she's not. And I think it's justified, but the way she goes about sort of reconciling that is insane. Right. But it's again, we like her and we understand why she's at the place that she's at. So even though she's the villain in that movie, you're like, but I kind of get it. 
you know. That's the and that's the thing is like I think they're they're building on story and not so much on character. You know, well, it doesn't have to yeah. be a complicated character. You don't have to relate to the villain, any of that. But like, you have all these people who have been in the chamber for so long, and I feel like they're just abandoning these characters in order for I don't know, for, for cheap laughs. I don't know. Well, and that is again, I think why Love and Thunder didn't work is because. You know, I think Ragnarok was really important for sort of injecting levity into Thor and giving it a different feel and a different gear to for Hemsworth to play in. But then you do these two Infinity movies and you really show Chris Hemsworth has this depth of in his performance and he can I, I think weirdly I wouldn't have expected it. I never would have expected it going in because I never cared about Thor as a kid. I actually like Thor the best of any mcu character and i think it's because of infinity war and end game of that arc of again like you're saying like him in the hoodie there's just something about him that it like breaks my heart and i'm so invested in his journey and i wouldn't have expected that and i think then you watch love and thunder which again is like the love of his life is dying and Mm -hmm. they have to go on this journey and it's just Taika Waititi, who I love, being like, okay, it's good time, fun times. It's silly and wacky. Right, and it's like, right. can you just actually sit in these real emotions for a minute and like yeah, play we, a real can we scene? just take a breath? Take yeah. a breath. <laughs> can we just live in this character's reality for a moment? And, and he wasn't willing to do that. He wasn't willing to actually dwell in the emotional stuff. Mm. And I, yeah, I think that's what they lost. And I think, you know, talking it through with you and really thinking about it. So much happens in Ant-Man, but yeah, the core that we wanted was Scott and Cassie and their relationship and where they're at, and it didn't commit enough to that, and it didn't follow through, and Ant-Man is a guy that has mostly been fun, lighter movies, but if you're going to try to put him in these heavier, you know, world-altering films, you have to be willing to give him deeper character arcs and really dwell in the psychology of a guy who lost time because he went to prison and didn't get to be with his daughter and then lost Mm -hmm. more time because of the blip with his daughter and is really reconciling with like i missed you growing up yeah yeah now i you know i'm this famous uh um, you know, I'm this celebrity and, and people like me, I'm an Avenger and I played a big part in saving the universe and crap like that. But yeah, that's like boil it down guys, because there's a, there's a lot of good stuff there that you're just ignoring, you know, not to mention we all wanted to see Bobby Cannavale and Judy Greer and Michael Pena. I don't know what the fuck happened there, but whatever. Right. And the fact that they couldn't, again, you, you have this beginning. I understand that most of the movie is in the quantum realm. Uh, but put him at the beginning and the end. And also, I don't know how fun would it have been if you found a way to like have echoes of Michael Pena in the quantum realm or like, well, you know, bring my Michael Pena to or, the quantum realm. Just bring him there. That'd honestly, be so fucking fun. You know what? Even if he doesn't go to the quantum realm, have Michael Pena in the next room eating a sandwich when they all go in the quantum realm and find one scene to get uh what's the guy's name uh the the guy from fresh off the boat um the actor that he was in wandavision he now plays like a um oh yeah he's jimmy woo yeah jimmy woo get jimmy woo to like show up to look for ant-man and the only person waiting for him is michael pena and it's like what happened to them 
You come, you got to tee Michael Pena to explain something to someone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, sure. Sure. And that's a little nitpicky, but yeah, basically just overall, just like, and that'd be great. Cause if Michael Pena is there, um, you know, then, then you, you free up, um, uh, Lang to like do some heavy emotional lifting, you know, cause it's, it's all there on the paper. I, I don't know. Like I said, at the beginning of this rant of opinions that I actually didn't realize I had until I started talking to you <laughs> is um like, that's why did we get away from these characters? They've been around yeah. for so long. That's what we should be committing to. It's not so much the story, but the character within the story. Well, I think that, yeah, that's what you and I landed on. And again, I didn't start there either, but it was when we really talked through it. And and I'm so glad you brought up Civil War because it sort of reminded me of like, oh yeah, that's what these used to be like. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but yeah, I think, the VFX stuff, anything else that people are nitpicking, I think that all are more, you know, people that don't enjoy the movie and then they look at that stuff because that stuff's easier to see. But I think at the core, if you're emotionally invested in what's happening, you're way more forgiving about way more. Yeah, I stuff. wouldn't have even noticed how often that helmet comes off <laughs> and goes back on and then comes off and goes back on this nanotechnology. Boy, did they fall in love with that? Well, it's also I mean, that has been. The the struggle since the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, of uh -huh. we paid all this money uh -huh. to get this handsome actor uh -huh. to play this part, and then we're going to put a mask over their face, and they're not going to be able to see their face. I, I also, the other person, if we're giving the Russos the shout out, the other person that always deserves a shout out is Jon Favreau, because he... One set up the MCU and I love him, and he obviously does The Mandalorian too, but he did the most genius thing ever which is that camera on Tony Stark's face yep. when he's in the mask because we want to see Robert Downey Jr.'s face yep. and it's genius. It's the smartest it is, thing that anyone has ever done in any of these movies. And they copied it's it so great. in every movie since then because it was every so movie fucking since, smart. But they don't copy it in The Mandalorian because his helmet stays on. Pedro Pascal is a fucking hunk and a half. But he keeps that goddamn helmet on. By the way, put a pin in. We're out of time. We're way over time. But after we we update all these MCU films, we got to talk about Pedro Pascal. Like, wait, what? A, oh, I have so much to say about that, man. I, I feel like I could do an entire Pedro Pascal episode. Like, we should just get him on the show. Can we just get him on the show? Uh, yeah, let's get him on the show. Be, like, it can just be two hunky Joels talking to each other. You know, two sexy Joels with beards. Uh, you know, talking about the the person that's with them that they have to protect and carry and keep alive. That's you in this scenario. Oh, so I, am I that little girl? Yeah, you're the little girl. You're Bella Ramsey. Okay, okay I'm Bella Ramsey. Cool, <laughs> yeah. cool, cool. Can I be Bella Ramsey in Game of Thrones? No. Damn it. No, you're <laughs> you're the one who thinks that she can stab herself in the hand and pour her blood into a, a wound and fix someone. Oh. I don't, I want to be the Bear Island though. Nope. Okay. Well, let's have Pedro on regardless. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll get him on and we'll, we'll talk it through. Okay. <laughs> be careful. He might show up and I will poop my pants. I, yeah, he, you know what I love about that guy? He's silly and he'll show up. He's, he's so silly. I'll just do a bit. He, he would and, do it for a he bit. And, um, he and Oscar Isaac are are two of my favorite people to watch because they're goofy as hell. Hollywood, 
Book them as two brothers who don't like each other. Boom. That's oh, it. I just made boom. you this billions is what I'm of dollars. About. This is what, you're a fucking genius, man. Yeah. Why has no one done that yet? Yeah, just they they're two brothers, their dad dies, and they have to like do something together. And they find out about each other when their dad dies. Oh, and shit. one of them different fell families. Now, different yeah. families, but also one is from Guatemala and the other is from Chile. And they don't like each other because of their nationality, but they have to get along because they found out they're brothers. That's so good. And because there's like an inheritance that they have to do something together. To they get have the to do something together. What yeah. is it? Amazing race. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Perfect. <laughs> so remember, question everything. Hey. I haven't figured anything out yet. Oh, did you want to apologize? You didn't apologize. Oh, sure. Oh, hey, y'all. Um, the last person I you should know ended up being both CCH Pounder and Esopatha Mergerson because I did a printout of both of them and I was reading off of one Wikipedia and then the other's IMDB and I don't remember which is which. Um, uh, that was dumb. Please don't cancel me. Honest mistake. Um, both revered uh, character actors um, that you should all know. So you you got a two for one there. Um, if you wouldn't like to know more about those ladies, it's all on the internet and you should because they're, they they're are workhorses and interesting and um, uh, you can just close their eyes and see their faces. They've been so integral in our uh, entertainment um, uh, growing up and now. So uh, sorry about that, ladies and audience who are probably yelling at their devices. No, you're saying the wrong person, um, uh, but that's what happened. No, you and I, we both had one of those Ron Burgundy after he says, go fuck yourself, San Diego, where Uh we both left the show like, boop, 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 good show. And I think it was like an hour later that we were texting each other like, oh, no. Oh, I think I did a thing. Yeah, yeah, like we're like, (laughs) it is both because it was just like, wait a second. Yeah, yeah. Those those are two actors who often get confused and, and for seemingly no reason. Like uh, it happens with uh, Bill Paxton and Bill Pullman. Like why do the, those two guys look nothing alike? Why yeah. do people think they're like? Why do they get them confused? But it, I that's what happened to me. And um, uh, oops, and yeah. apologies. And um, you know what? If CCH Pounder. Um, and or Esopatha Mergenson would like me to apologize to them directly. Please get in touch. Yeah. And if they'd like to come on our episode with, with Pedro Pascal. Well, Let's bring them on. Let's bring yeah. on all the talented, sexy people. Yeah. And we will keep apologizing and revering you. <laughs> also, rest in peace, Richard Belzer. R.I.P. Munch. Hobo Radio is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on iTunes. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. In a world where people watch movies. I think I'm going to watch a movie. Sometimes they don't like what they see. I don't like this movie. But sometimes... They look for the silver lining. Wait a second. I like this part of this movie. Joel and Andy, do that work for you. The Silver Linings Playback. I like this part of this podcast where they tell me the part of the movie I like. Every Monday on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, 
or wherever you get your podcasts.